whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rosdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday, October the 5th. 5th? Yes, 5th. No, 6th. No, it's 6th today. Yes. It's the 6th. We made it to Friday. Yes. Real day. Yes. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome, everybody, to our Friday show. And thanks to everybody who is joining us on the YouTube live stream for Economics on Tap, our weekly happy hour. And, uh, yeah, we we made it through another week. Yes. We did indeed. So we will do. (laughs) Yeah, 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 no joke. Uh, We'll do what we always do. We'll do some news, uh, take some break, uh, a little bit of half full, half empty. We will also, uh, before we do any of that, Check in with what people are drinking. I'm having water because I got things to do in a very beat up old KPA glass. I'm so disappointed yep. this is an actual etching, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, what are you drinking? What do you got? You're in the you bureau, places right? Places to go, doing? people to say, see things to do. Uh, yes, I am in the New York City bureau, uh, and all by my lonesome. <laughs> Because yay, hybrid work. Um, But also, it's kind of late here. But yes, I am in New York. Uh, I came up here for a friend's birthday party and uh, luckily got to work from the office here. So I did see a bunch of people while I was here, which was really nice. And I, because I'm being very careful around all the fancy studio equipment, just drinking a glass of wine. And it's my favorite. It's Seven Deadly Zins. It's a red Zinfandel. So yeah, that's what I got. Um... Diego Flores says you should try non-alcoholic beer, that there are a bunch of good options now. So you don't have uh, so to just I keep have, I, mm. I have tried, uh, and I will leave the brand up because I, I was not uh, a fan of it, but I tried a brand that came very highly recommended from a person whose opinion in beer I respect. And here's the thing. I took a sip, uh, and it was fine at the front, but then the finish was like wet cardboard, and it kind of wrecked mm. it for me. So... I'll, I guess I'll try a couple more. I, my other option is to go really low ABV um, session IPAs, you know. There's we'll that. Um, anyway. All right. I'm getting some really good recommendations on non-alcoholic beers here. So Ration Ale. Somebody write this down and email it to me. Ration Ale, Athletic Non-Alcoholic Beer. And then, wait, there's another one. Lagunitas Non-Alcoholic IPA. IPA. All right. Okay. All right. All right. We'll give them a try. We'll uh, give them a try. Let's Get to some news. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you go first? Okay. Let's do that. Okay. So mine is more like like uh, theoretical than it is um, actual news news. There's a piece of the New York Times today, the headline of which is, how do Americans feel about politics? Disgust isn't a strong enough word. So, duh, right? Given everything that's going on and all the failings of specifically Republicans in Congress. But but here's the bigger picture. And if you listen to Marketplace this afternoon, you'll hear me and Catherine Rampell and, and uh, Lynette Lopez talking about this. Uh, we are now at a perilous moment in this economy because interest rates are high and they are going to stay high. Bond, so I mean the, the, the rate the Fed controls. Bond rates, which are the, is, is what decides how much uh, the U.S. is going to have to pay on interest that it borrows to fund all the spending that Congress is uh, authorizing are high and are going to stay high. And more importantly, they've really increased the last 10 days and nobody is really sure why. And so we are at a place now where money has gotten more expensive. And for a decade or more, Congress got used to not having to worry about fiscal policy. They could borrow money basically for nothing And it was okay. And we piled up, as of the latest reading, $33 trillion worth of debt. The problem is that now money costs something. Money costs today 4.8% on the 10-year. 
And when we have to keep doing that, and when those rates are going to stay high for a long time, and there is nobody in Washington who remembers how to make fiscal policy because they haven't had to worry about it for a very long time, that is a very big moment of economic peril. And Catherine and Lynette put it better than I could, but that's the gist of of my message this afternoon. Congress is, let me, sorry, not Congress, Republicans in the House of Representatives are a chaos mob. They cannot govern and we are in a moment of economic peril. That's my news. Flash, breaking, this just in. I will also highly recommend that conversation. And um, yeah, that was, I hadn't really thought about it in that mm-hmm. context, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the cost of borrowing. I, I've been thinking about how the cost of borrowing is going up because, you know, I've done a couple stories recently about mm-hmm. how small relative to overall federal spending appropriations is right. and how much interest on the national debt is and how it's outpacing what we spend on children. And pretty soon it will outpace what we spend on defense in this country and, and everything else. Um And I'd seen a here and there about, you know, with the cost of borrowing going up, that was going to be even more challenging that those dynamics of in terms of interest on the national debt as a share of the GDP. But I hadn't quite layered that on top of the congressional dysfunction, um, which is grim, grim. So um, I would like to escape to the moon. And despite you telling me (laughs) many times that I'm too old to I don't think I'm actually have I actually said you're too old? Yes, you have. You said we're too I'm old, sorry. which included me. Well, we yeah, so. yeah, we. Okay. Well. <laughs> all right, fine. Yes. Sorry. But according to the New York Times, maybe in your lifetime people will live on the moon and then Mars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is a big look at this partnership that NASA is doing with universities and private industries to start 3D printing houses on the moon eventually using um you know stuff on the surface of the moon and that it is not NASA is aiming to have houses for Yes, astronauts and researchers, but also civilians, although I guess a civilian living on the moon would still be an astronaut. Anyway, Mm -hmm. scientists and civilians to live on the moon by 2040. And so, yeah, and of course, lots of people say that that timeline is way too ambitious. And, you know, we're going to see how these Artemis missions continue to go. But it was a really interesting article looking at the science and the research going into it and dealing with uh, moon dust, which is real toxic and, and difficult to deal with, how they're planning to, you know, build landing pads on the moon and move stuff back and forth. And anyway, it's just a cool read. And, you know, I love this stuff. But every time I, you know, think Every time I get excited about it, also echoing in the back of my head is is that poem, um, you know, Whitey's on the Moon. Have you ever heard that poem? I have not, no. It is um, sort of a, a black activist poem about all of the social ills that we ignore while focused on outer space exploration. And it was written around the time of the Apollo moon landing. And this idea that, congratulations, a white person has landed on the moon, but at the same time, all of that money that is being directed towards that is not being directed at all of the social ills in the country that really need investment. And so, like, yes, love space. I'm so excited about it, but that's always sort of echoing in the back of my head. Um, right. Thank you. Uh, somebody in the chat said it was Gil Scott Heron who uh, wrote that poem. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's something. So 
that's one of my news pieces. Um, do you believe that we can be on the moon now, Kai? Well, I, you know, somebody points out in the chat that John Glenn was 77 when he went up uh, for the second time in the space shuttle. So, you know, there's hope. Mm-hmm. Hope. Okay. News item number two is um, the company that makes the abortion pill, um, which I always mispronounce, but Mifepristone? Um, Mifepristone. But Mifepristone. Thank you. Has released, with their permission, names of some independent pharmacies across the country that have actually started distributing this medication um, under the new loosened guidelines from the FDA that allows mm-hmm. pharmacies to distribute it. Um, some of the big ones, uh, CVS and, Wal- and Walgreens, said that they will start distributing it in certain places, but only after they you know, go through some additional approvals. But this, there are a lot more pharmacy pharmacies that plan on doing this, but putting these these names out, these pharmacies are doing it at risk to themselves because people who are very opposed to the abortion pill say that they're going to be targeting them for boycotts and for protests and things like that. And it's it's another moment in this debate of how sort of the regulatory state is running up against the Supreme Court, which is probably going to be reviewing this in the next year or so, uh, the FDA's ability to, you know, allow this to be sold at pharmacies Mm -hmm. and that there's just so many fronts where abortion is still being fought out. And some of it is just like grinding regulation and paperwork and all of these different pharmacies trying to figure out whether or not it is worth the individual risk to carry it where they are, including some of these pharmacies and places where there are extreme restrictions on abortion. And I just wanted to note it. It's a moment. Um, and yeah, that's my news. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, yes. Let's see. We now need to take a quick break. But before we go, uh, we have some news. Because it is a time of year where we ask you, I know it's additional news on top of the news that we did earlier. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh at me, Kai. It's fine. I'm, it's I fine. chuckled. I giggled. Come on. It's okay. I, it was a, it was a good turn of phrase. It was news on top of the news. It was fine. News on top of the news. All right. Because we ask you for your support and y'all came through. So thank you very much. We actually reached and passed our fundraising goal. So thank you very much to everyone. More than 2,000 Marketplace investors stepped up uh, to support us over the last couple weeks. Power in numbers. And we're incredibly grateful for our community of listeners and your generosity. I know that you all have a lot of choices uh, where you can put your dollars for support. And we're grateful that you that you give it to us. So thank you. And we did it. Yay. We did it. And what that means is that we're going to do a virtual trivia night date TBD. If you are not yet an investor, five bucks or more will get you in the door of this thing. Go to marketplace.org slash give smart. And again, thanks a lot for um, helping us out this time. We'll be right back. Yeah, thank you. Drew Johnstadt, half full, half empty, ready to go. All right. Are you half full or half empty on modern furniture? Mm. Wow. So this is from that interview you did with 
Yes, you did. It's the Washington Post uh, story. What? You interviewed oh, the Washington oh, oh, Post reporter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, sorry. I was thinking like Danish modern or, you know, <laughs> Art Deco modern. Sorry. It, it was an interview I did about how furniture made these days just doesn't last. That basically we're just buying CRAP instead of the really good stuff that our parents and grandparents bought because it's cheaper and it gets to us uh, delivered to our front door. Interestingly enough, in that interview with a reporter from the Washington Post, whose name I sadly forget, I learned that IKEA now, IKEA furniture that you put together at home can be found in vintage furniture stores from like the 1980s. So I thought that was very interesting. Generally, I mean, look, I've got IKEA cabinets and, and you know, modern furniture in my house. So I guess I'm okay because we got to live and not everything can be ex- as expensive, I guess. Yeah, I grew up in a house full of antiques, and so I have oh. just sort of a nostalgic connection to old furniture. And so, like, in my house, it's a mix of all of these antiques pieces that I either got from my family or that mm. I got off of, you know, I have a dining room table. It's this beautiful antique table that somebody gave away for free on Craigslist. Um, but then I also have my fair share of IKEA furniture. Um, right. And, um, you know, it. the frustration I often have with furniture is that it is literally cheaper to get something new than to fix what you have. And there are so yep. few people who can fix what you have. I have this lamp I want to get rewired, and I know it's not really furniture, but it's like a lamp from the 1950s, super cool, got it at like a thrift store, needs rewiring, and I can't find anybody to rewire the mm-hmm. lamp mm-hmm. Um, in, in this particular way that it needs to be. And it's like there's not a lot of people with skills. So anyway, um, I am going to go half empty on modern furniture because I like the old stuff. That's fair. Totally fair. Totally fair. Drew, what else? Half full or half empty on YouTube obituaries. Man, so this is another interview I did, and this was kind of disturbing. So there are people out there, and look, so it's it's about um, obituary scraping. So it's not a new phenomenon, but the idea of putting it on YouTube is people who take obituaries and read them onto a YouTube uh, uh, video, and through doing that a bunch of times, aggregate enough clicks and views to generate income out of it. And it's really disturbing. It's kind of gross. I'm completely empty and no. Yeah, I'm I'm completely empty as well. That was a real grim story. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the nod to how AI is going to be, generative AI is going yeah. to be influencing yeah. this in the future was yeah. additionally grim. So all the way empty. <laughs> totally. All right. Are you half full or half empty on having a fridge? that you can't stick magnets to. <laughs> I have seen this like the classism, the classism. Why do people want to steal the joy of tacky magnets on the fridge? Come on. So anyway, uh, there's this cool Wall Street Journal article about how basically the home appliance industry has decided that magnets, like fridge magnets, are low class, and they're putting all these non-magnetic uh, surfaces on fridges. And I definitely like the clean kitchen aesthetic look, but I have many magnets on my fridge, which is a very old fridge that was in my apartment when I bought it and will stay there until it 
dies on its last legs. Um, but like, you know, I have fond memories of like seeing my artwork mm-hmm. on the fridge growing up or I brought, you know, magnets back for family members from my travels. And, and it's like a little thing that doesn't take up tchotchke space on a shelf and you yep. can kind of rotate them out. So I like I like the design of no magnets, but I don't I, I don't like the emotion of it. So I'm going to go half empty. Totally agree with what Kimberly said. We redid our kitchen eight or ten years ago, and of course we got the you know non-magnetic kind because that's what looked nice looks nicest. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff that we had on there is now like in a box somewhere in the in the space over the garage. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with Kimberly a thousand percent. I love yeah. love this quote from a fridge marketing executive. Magnets on the fridge would take away from the premium look. Oh please, get a life. <laughs> And so on, what? Man. And so right. what? Exactly. Like, exactly. do premium wealthy people, if that exists, not have kid artwork they want to display? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Costco is selling gold online and cannot keep it in stock. Are you half full or half empty on buying gold bars from Costco? Did they ask Senator Menendez? good one. Oh, snap. Sorry. Wow. It was right there. Wow. It was right wow. there. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, physical gold as an investment vehicle tends a lot of the... I, I read an article a while back. I'll have to dig it up and maybe we can put it in the show notes about how predatory that particular industry is. And I, I worry a bit about you know, people getting into gold collecting and then that being sort of like the gateway into falling into some of these more predatory things. So I'm going to go half empty. Yeah, I'm half empty for that. But also, as was pointed out uh, somewhere else on public radio, I don't remember where I heard it. it. It would be better for your investment portfolio. Instead of buying gold bars at Costco, you just bought Costco shares. Because they have outperformed <laughs> gold like hugely the last decade. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, consult your own uh, financial advisor. Just disclaimer. Just saying. Sure. Right. What's anyway. next? Got one Is left. Is this the poll question? Yes. Okay. All right. One left. So, so, poll. All right. Yes. Everybody in the YouTube chat who is able to log in to the chat to do this thing, uh, get ready to vote, and we will vamp. Okay. I have... Everybody... Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just reading the chat. Everybody thinks I've got gold bars in those Costco boxes behind me in the shed. <laughs> believe, me when, believe me when I tell you that's not what's in there. <laughs> I should do an unboxing of those boxes one day. <laughs> you guys would be really disappointed. <sighs> anyway. Okay. Anyway, Drew, go ahead. I sorry. have a topic and then I can maybe give a couple of data points on this one. The question is, are you half full or half empty on self-checkout? And Give the data points. from the story in Business Insider, I have a couple of things to mention. One, okay. Kroger operates a store in Tennessee that's self-checkout only with staff mm. available for, uh, for assistance as needed. Um, but also, industry estimates, grain of salt maybe, suggest as much as a 30 to 60% rise in inventory losses depending on how many self-checkout stations a store has. And also, multiple retailers are realizing that maybe self-checkout requires as much labor in supervision 
maintenance and IT support as it might be saving them in checkout uh, mm-hmm. clerk hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. I remember, yeah, I, so this piece was very interesting because, you know, this is technology that has been around for quite a while and was, as I recall, one of the very front-facing, public-facing examples of automation taking jobs that everybody could see. Like, oh my gosh, you know, the grocery store checkout clerk who you talk to, they're going to all lose their jobs. And Mm -hmm. many did, for sure, um, but not all of them. And this article is sort of laying out how um, people often scan for one thing, even when they may be walking away with something else or scanning one item and taking two. And um, also, even if you're just like, you know, buying wine or whatever, they have to check your ID. And so like, how much time does it actually save? I mean, I can speak from my experience in my own local grocery store. I think it does save time because lots of people just want one or two things that aren't complicated and they zoom through. And especially with like, um, you know, the checkout on your when you pay with your phone or, or tap to pay or something like that, it really moves the people who are in and out, in and out very quickly. And if I have a lot of stuff, especially like a lot of fruits and vegetables and need weighing and stuff, I'll just go to the regular checkout line. What right. bothers me is when there is not when there aren't staffed regular checkout lines, because then that slows down the self-checkout lines for everybody else. So, right. That's mine. Totally. Idea. What are your thoughts? So, uh, so where are you? Half full or half empty? I don't want to... We have to wait until the poll, and then I'll Oh, wait. right. Sorry. Oh, well, then I just better stop. Well, the, I mean, we got 180 mm-hmm. votes in the poll, so let's close the poll, right? Okay, let's close the poll. Let's um, close the poll. I am half... Let's see. What was the question, though? Is just on self-checkout in general? Yeah. I'm half full yeah. on self-checkout, um, but it probably does need a, a revisiting. And I think that's what a lot of these retailers are doing. Walmart, you know, looking differently at the whole thing. Kroger looking differently. I think we still need and probably always will need some type of human interaction to get us out of the grocery right. store. Right. So, so it's it's a labor story, obviously. It's a shrinkage story, the theft story, all that jazz. I personally like them because I can zip on through, right? But if I've got a lot of stuff, just like Kimberly said, I'm going to the to the regular checkout lane with an actual human being. Um, but there are more of them coming because companies will continue to do this for as long as the equation works somewhat in their favor. And I think now and for a long time, it's going to. Um, so I'm half full on personal. I'm half empty on what it means for the labor force. How about that? How's that for wishy-washy? That I good? love it. Yeah, All right. you like it. There I love go. it. All right. Go. That is it for us today. And uh, thanks again, everybody, for really coming through on the fundraiser and bringing us over that goal. It, yep. it means a lot. Um, but if you have a question or a comment that you would like to share, if you want to give us your deepest feelings and emotions about self-checkouts, feel free. Uh, our email is makemesmart at marketplace.org. You can also call us at 508-UB-SMART. Make Me Smart was produced by Courtney Berg. Secret today's episode was engineered by Juan Carlos Dorado. Our intern is Neil Afar Shabandi. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music for our game, Half Full and Half Empty. Actually, there's no hand. It's just a slash. But anyway, go ahead. 
The team behind Half Full, Half Empty is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock, who did a wonderful job teaching me finally how to use the green screen on TikTok the other day. God bless Antoinette. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. Oh, my God. Are you on TikTok? Do I have to get on TikTok? All you have to do is, you know, die and pay taxes. Um, which a lot of people don't anyway. Okay, then. We forgot to give the poll results, so we have to stay on just to give the poll results. Apologies, everyone. Um, So let's see. Half full was 56% on half full on on self-checkouts. Half full, 56%. Half empty, 43% with 185 votes. Thank you, everyone who participated. That's yeah, good participation. Is. I'll take that. That's awesome. Good looking out. All right. There we go. All right. Now we're going.